Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the Res Life Big Rapids podcast. We're glad you found us, and we hope this message helps shape you into something that looks like Christ. Now let's listen in. It's the stuff that makes up hope. Okay, so when we talk about having salvation through faith, it's, it's we're trusting in God with this thing inside of us at the core of who we are, believing in our heart, this, this faith that builds hope that, that what God says is true is true. How many know that what God says is true is true? Yeah. And so, uh, so anyway, getting saved is more than just raising your hand at a Sunday service. You know that, right? Okay, in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says uh, that, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that he rose from the dead, that he really is God, that we'll be saved. And so that's Romans 10, 9. But we don't often read Romans 10.10, which says that it is with your heart that you believe and you are justified. Everybody say, it's with my heart. See, Romans 10.10, the second verse, is really the the verse that's in there to explain what verse 9 really meant. 9 says, confess with your mouth that he's Lord, believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you'll be saved. But 10 says, it's because with your heart you believe and are justified. And then it says, and with your mouth, you profess your faith. See, we get this mixed up all the time. We think it's, I'll profess my faith, and then the heart thing will follow. But that's not the way that it actually is laid out in the Word. It's the heart thing first as you raise your hand and you say, I'm professing, this is who I am now. And so salvation, it's super powerful, super important. And, and so, uh, so today I want to transition from that into talking about water baptism. Now, uh, now, at the service at the park this year, uh, Allison got baptized last year, but this year I, I, I taught on, the, on things that happened to Jesus when he got baptized and how those things apply to our lives. And so I want to take a minute to recap some of that. And you might be you know, like, oh, uh, we were here. Well, statistically, after three days, everybody who goes to church forgets what the pastor taught on Sunday. And so this will be new for all of you. Um, and so, so I'll just, I want to do a quick recap of that, but then I also want to take a little bit of time and talk about some common misconceptions or questions about water baptism. And so we're going to talk about all those different things today. All right? You ready? Yeah. All right. Before we go there, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you that, that you created them with a purpose, that you have greatness in mind for each one of them. And God, today as we get into your word, I pray that you give us ears that hear, give us hearts that understand, give us minds that desire to live like you and to live for you. And God, let this, let this message not be my words, let it be your words. And God, I pray it helps us to understand better what water baptism is and how it applies to our lives and whether or not we need to go get in the river. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so at the Church in the Park service, I explained how Jesus' example of baptism shows us what happens to us when we get baptized. So I want to take a minute to talk about that. Uh, The story uh, of Jesus' baptism is found in the four gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four books that talk about Jesus' life. They're all written by different authors who were there when Jesus did what he did. So you get four different perspectives. So today we're going to read out of Mark, and we're going to start in in chapter 1, verse 9. So just follow along with me and we'll talk about it. Mark 1.9 says this, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in in Galilee and was baptized by John, John the Baptist, uh, in the Jordan River. Verse 10, Just as Jesus, this is important, listen, Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being what? Torn open. And the what? 
the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Like a dove. Everybody say a dove. That doesn't even matter. Uh, and, and a voice came from heaven saying this, saying, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So this is, this is like a pastor's dream. There are three things that happen, so there's three points, right? And, uh, and so I'm not going to go through all, everything with it today. You can go back and you can uh, listen to the, the message from the park. Uh, but these are the three things that happen. The first is this. The heavens were torn open. Everybody say torn. Okay, so what this is talking about is that with Jesus, at, when he came out of the water and he was baptized, after he was baptized, the heavens were torn open. In other words, access to heaven was granted. Okay, he now had access to the things of God. He had access to the Father. Now, was, was he God's son before? Yes, but now he has access to heaven. You know, it's like a police officer. If the door's cracked open a little bit, they can go in without a warrant, but if it's closed, you ain't going in, right? I don't know if that's true, but I saw it on Chicago PD the other day. And so we're going to go with it. That's not scripture, but this is. Okay, so, so the door is now open. There is access. The same kind of thing happens when, when Jesus dies on the cross and the veil is torn, right? The Spirit of God is no longer contained in this place. It's now all around, okay? So, so this is like, this is now, he has access. The second thing that happens, it says that the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. Now, the dove thing isn't really important. What's important to know is that the Holy Spirit is the power of God that Jesus receives to go and do ministry. Jesus, if you read about Jesus, he never does a miracle, really never does a miracle until he's filled with the Holy Spirit at his, at his water baptism. And so, so this is what happens to Jesus at this moment. He's, he gets the power of, of God in his life. And and so this is really significant. I'm not going to talk about that anymore today because that's next week's message. And so I'm going to hold off on that. But the last thing, and I think not import, more important than the other things, but, but extremely significant, is that God says, there's a voice from heaven, God says, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. This should be significant to you to think that when you get baptized, the Lord declares that you are part of his family. Now, you might be like, wait a second, you know, I got saved, I was part of his family. Yeah, when you got saved, you said, God, I'm joining your family. But it's a completely different thing when God looks down at you and says, and now you are my child. Let me, let me explain this to you. I may have mentioned this before, but I don't think I've told the whole story. I won't tell it all today either. But um, I have an adopted sister. And she, uh, she joined our family, actually, after I had already left and gone to college. But um, she had a really, uh, really tough story. Uh, she joined our family when she was like 16 years old. Her mom had taken her own life, and her dad didn't want her anymore. And so my sister saw her at, at school and said, hey, come be part of my family. And so she came to our house, and she lived at our house. And for a while, she, uh, she was there just as a guest, right? And there came a point, I remember the phone call I got, when my parents called and said, uh, Emily has asked if she could be part of our family, if she could change her name. How many know there's power in names, right? And at that moment, she, she said, I want to be part of this family. And my parents returned to her by saying, you are now our daughter. That's powerful. Her name was changed. How many know that when you accept Jesus, your name is changed, right? You're no longer bound by the, the name of sin. 
But now you're innocent. You're part of God's family. And it's incredibly powerful to think that when you come out of the water, that God is saying, you are my child. It's totally different than, than when you accept Jesus. When you say, hey, I, I, want, I want to be part of the family. Now God completes that when he says, and you are my son or you are my daughter. So it's powerful, powerful. It, it, baptism is something that we should all do. So in your notes there, it says this. It says, when you're baptized, God declares that you are part of his family. So baptism has a huge amount of significance for our connection with God. And, and it's, it's one thing to choose God. It's a whole other thing to know that God has chosen you. Amen? Amen. So um, I want to transition. That, that's what I talked about then. Again, you can go and you can get the more in-depth version if you want to listen to it online. Uh, but I want to transition into some common misconceptions, thoughts, questions about baptism and whether or not it, it is or isn't you know, important for salvation or stuff like that. So the first point I have today is this. It's in your notes. You write it down. Water baptism is not salvation. Everybody say, is not. It is not Salvation, no matter what you've been taught, no matter what you've heard over the years, there's this common misconception and, and misunderstanding with so many people that water baptism is the thing that, that gets you saved. But that is not found anywhere in the Bible. There's no clear evidence that water baptism has, has anything to do with your actual salvation and going to heaven. But we do see that in the New Testament, everybody who, who repented or got saved then got what? Baptized. The, the, the whole concept, and you hear it over and over in Acts, is repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. So we see that it's significant, and I already talked about some of its significance, but it is not salvation. In fact, a lot of pastors teach that there's three baptisms, okay? They call it the baptism of repentance, which would be salvation. The baptism in water, which we're talking about today, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I didn't teach it that way because I thought I'd come up with a cool different name. The big three. And so, so when it's talking about repent and be baptized, it's talking about salvation and then baptism, okay? So it was something they did after salvation. Let me make this point. Jesus was God's son before baptism. You can write that down. Jesus was God's son before baptism, Right? I mean, otherwise the Christmas story is not that great. Just some kid born in a barn, you know. I never understood that as a kid growing up. You say, what, what, are you born in a barn? Well, Jesus was. Like, should I say yes? Should I say no? Like, should I be happy about this? <laughs> that was for free. <laughs> Has nothing to do with the message today. But Jesus was God's son before baptism. And baptism did not then make him more of God's son. Now, God declared that he's his son, but it doesn't mean that he, that he wasn't his son before. In the same way, your salvation comes before baptism. You, you, are, a, you are a child of God. You are saved before baptism. And, and if it, it's not baptism itself that brings you into relationship with God. The Bible is clear that salvation is through what? Faith, right? I tried to give you one there. Salvation is through faith in Christ alone, not a ritual you perform. And, and here's a good example. The thief on the cross, he wasn't baptized. But Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise, right? You'll be with me in heaven. 
He wasn't baptized. For that matter, not one person in the entire Old Testament was baptized. All these famous people that we read about that did incredible things for God, none of them got baptized. And so, are they not in heaven? Of course not. Of course not, because baptism is not essential to salvation, okay? It is not more important, and it is not salvation itself. And, and there's this, and I think the reason why people get this idea that it is, is because there's this common misconception that it is baptism that actually washes your sins away. I've been at, at baptism ceremonies where people are doing it, and somebody comes out of the water, and then they're talking about it. When I came out of the water, I just felt like all my sins had been washed away, and I didn't have the heart to say, no, <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> but... <laughs> But it's not the water. I think we get this idea that the water washes our sins away because we wash things with water. You wash your car with water. You wash your dishes with water. You hopefully wash your body with water. And, and so you, we think like, like, oh, so it just makes sense that this is, sin, this is the thing that we do to have our, our sins actually washed away. But the Bible is very clear about the thing that, that washes our sins away. The blood of Jesus, number two on your card, the blood of Jesus washes our sins away, period. No ritual, no nothing else washes your sins away or makes you righteous. No amount of good works, no amount of good deeds, no amount of money that you donate to a nonprofit, not even baptism washes your sins away. The blood of Jesus. This can be illustrated with many scriptures. I will use one. Revelation 1.5 says this, And from Jesus Christ who is the faith, faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his. Point in case. It is, it is the blood of Jesus. Uh, Pastor Dwayne Vanderklok, maybe a year ago came, or two years ago came, and he, he talked about, um, he's from Granville Res, the mothership. If you've never been there, it's like an airplane terminal, but for church. Um, He talked about how in the spiritual, Jesus' blood poured out on the mercy seat and that God, the Father, sees us now through the blood of Jesus and sees us as sinless. It is the blood of Jesus. You can study that out. That is actually in the Word, that it says that, that He sees us through the blood that was shed on the cross. That is how you are seen with no sin. That is how your sins are washed away, not water baptism clearly stated okay another great scripture that explains this in another way is Colossians 2 uh, 10 through 12 and so in verse 10 it says this it says and in Christ in who in Christ um, you have been brought to fullness in other words fullness is talking about where God intended you to be in the first place which is in his image which is worthy of being around him which is sinless and so Christ is the one who brought fullness to your life Christ's blood on the cross. It says, he's the head over every power and authority, and I'll add in, even sin. Okay? But it doesn't stop there. It, it continues in verse 11 to say this. It says, in him, in Jesus, you are also, also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Now listen to verse 12. It says, having been buried with him in what? There's that word, having been buried with him in baptism. 
in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God. Who, who, through your what? Through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, I think this is interesting. The scripture goes from talking about Jesus helping to make us whole or righteous or sinless, and then it talks about circumcision, then it talks about baptism, and then it talks about faith. And, and so I want to talk about those things. The reference to circumcision comes from the Old Testament. Now, do you remember the story of Abraham when he makes the covenant with God that from that moment on, Abraham's descendants would be God's chosen people. At that moment, God says, now what you need to do is every man in your tribe of people, everybody in your family, even the servants, everybody that, that encompasses your family, your tribe, has to, all the men have to be circumcised. Now, I'm thankful that that's not the case today uh, in, in you know, mid, midlife crisis. Okay? Uh, but, but this is what he says to do. And then from then on... Every child that is born, every male child that's born at, at birth or right after birth, there's a, there's a whole process to it, but needs to be circumcised because they're born into the family of God. You following me? So when it's talking about circumcision, it's talking about this Old Testament showing, proving that you're part of the family of God. And so Paul, the writer of this letter, is explaining to the church that no, it's no longer circumcision that is the proof that you're part of the family of God, it's baptism. It's baptism. Baptism is this new expression saying, I am part of the family. In your notes, I I have it there, it says, baptism is the outward expression of commitment to God. Baptism is the outward expression of commitment to God. That scripture, it says that that we're buried with him in baptism. And this really coincides with this concept of the old man being being washed away or gone away and the new man. There's another scripture that says that, that we are dead in our sins, but we're raised to life with Christ. I love that that scripture says that by faith we are raised, right? So, so baptism is this, this expression, this showing that you're part of the family of God. It's as significant as Old Testament circumcision, this, this permanent thing. Now, uh, Pastor Paul and I have been studying out this specific scripture, and actually, if you want to go study it, there is a huge amount of, of theologians and professors and all these people who've studied this scripture for years and years. And and really, we, we've been reading like crazy, this ex- a couple really, really long ones. Paul's a really slow, slow reader, by the way. I'm like, way ahead of him. And, have you read this yet? Nope. So you've got to wait days. But anyway, I thought you got faster at reading with age. Um, <laughs> I got I to take them when I can. Uh, <laughs> I apologize. It's Paul. We love each other. Okay, <clears throat> we, dry, we digress. Um, so reading this, and it's interesting. All of these commentaries, all of these studies, all of these professors come back to one thing. They come back to this, this problem in Christianity that people think the day they raise their hand, Everything in their life is going to change automatically. But that's not the case. I've come to this realization that choosing to be a Christian 
takes work, right? It takes effort. Everybody say effort. If you think that raising your hand today to be saved is going to transform everything in your life instantly, you're mistaken. Because what it takes is not just a choice to make Jesus Lord. It takes belief in your heart and commitment. Everybody say commitment. It takes effort. You, it, this, is, this is the problem with salvation in modern Christianity is that we think that God is just there to fix all our problems when in reality God is there because we need to make a change. And if we will change we will see the results of the promises of the word. Baptism is significant. Why? It's significant because you are making the choice to out in front of everybody say, it's not a choice I made, it's who I am. This is why God says to Jesus, this is my son. He didn't do it because, oh man, I think everybody should get in the water. Jesus did it because it identified him as who he was from then on forever. Baptism is significant because it is you saying, I am changing from the old man. I have died to the sin, and now I choose to live fully identified with Christ. It's powerful, and it's serious. I had this really good transition that I just went off script for and now it's ruined. <laughs> There's a question that I probably get more often than any other question. And uh, Joey, you can come out. You all know he's waiting anyway. <clears throat> Is, I was baptized as a baby. Should I be baptized as an adult? Um, does it count? Is it the same? And uh, point number three today on your sheet, and then I'll talk, is we should be baptized as adults. Let me explain. This, that should have, first off, been, become really obvious based on the rest of the message. But um, back then, when the church was forming and people were doing baby baptism, there's... The, the Catholic Church, some of the, the more like liturgical, uh, traditional churches do baby baptism still. And, and the thing is, all of those forefathers of church, they also understood this scripture that I read to you, that circumcision was replaced really by baptism as the, the proving that you are part of God's family. And if you take the literal, literal sequence of events of people's lives, Circumcision happened right after birth, right? Within a few days, there's, a, again, a process that it had to happen within these few days after birth. And so naturally, the thing to do would be to say that, well, if, if baptism replaces this circumcision, then, then we should baptize them right after birth, right? Make, makes sense. They're not wrong for choosing to do that, but there's a piece that they're missing. And that is that Jesus changed the admittance process into the family of God, right? The Ferris wheel of heaven has a different entry line than people were expecting. No longer are we just naturally born into a family and go into heaven. Now we have to make this heart decision to say I'm part of the family. So, so baptizing a baby as an infant 
doesn't mean the same thing as circumcision as an infant. Let me, let me explain it in another way. Back then, a baby was born into God's family, and so he was circumcised. That little child from an infant, his entire life was reminded all the time that he was marked by the maker. He had a physical change to him, and he was reminded his entire life that he was special. That his life was marked by the maker. That he was part of a family of God. A family that had something that all the other families didn't have. Okay? So, so naturally, we would think, man, kids, we should baptize them right away. The problem is, is that the mark is spiritual. The scripture that I read before said, says this in verse 11, Colossians 2.11. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Now it's a spiritual change. And so we do baby dedications here where parents come up and they say, I'm going to raise my kid the way that they should go. The Bible says that then, when they're old, they won't depart from it. By the way, that's not manipulation. That's introducing them to God. And it's not manipulation that draws them back to God. It's God that draws them back to God when they're older. Because why? Because they go through life with parents who explain to them that they've been marked by the maker. That they matter. And then at some point in their life, they make this decision to say, like my sister did, I want to be part of that family. And then the father at baptism says, you are. Should you be baptized as an adult? Yeah. It's powerful. It's important. Because at the moment you choose to be part of the family, now is the time where you get in front of everybody and say, this isn't a choice. This is who I am. Baptism is so, so important. In a couple weeks, we're going to do some baptisms. And I just want you to know, it's one of the greatest honors of my life to baptize people. To be part of that. and get emotional just thinking about it. Because it's the moment where God looks at you and he says, you're my child. I have a list of reasons you should be baptized, but I don't think I need to list them off. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. God, how much you love them, desire relationship with them. Lord, you know their hurts and their pains. You know the struggles they face. You know the victories that they have in life too. And God, we know today that you want to be part of every bit of that life for each one of us. So God, today, I, I pray that there's people in this room who, who maybe didn't know about baptism the way that your word explains it. And today they feel motivated and excited about wanting to be baptized, to experience the things that your word says happen in baptism, to know, to hear you in their spirit say, this is my son, this is my daughter. God, and for some of us who've already been baptized, Lord, let this be a great reminder of what an awesome father we have in heaven who loves us, who gives us access to, to his house, who, who gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to live in this life, and who when he sees us, he sees us through the blood of Christ and says, that's my son, and that's my daughter. With everybody's eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, that's the first part of this process. This is you saying, I, need, I, need, I want to be part of that family. I need to be part of that family. 
You can know you're going to heaven, but maybe more important to that than that right now is that you know you have a life that has a purpose that God created you for, and with him you can achieve that destiny that he has for your life. So I want to give you the opportunity. If that's you, you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, and you want to start this, this walk with him, this life with him, right where you're at, everybody's eyes closed. Just lift your hand up. Is there anybody who wants to make Jesus Lord? Awesome, awesome. I see those hands. The ushers are just going to give you an envelope. Just put it on your lap. It's for later. As well, if you're watching online today, you don't need to be in this room to accept Jesus. Jesus will meet you right where you are. You can start this life right now. Whether you're on your couch or in your car, it doesn't matter. So we're going to do what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says. We're going to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We're going, to, we're going to say a prayer together. But what's more important, maybe, is the heart part. It's the part where when things get tough, you run to God instead of running away. When things are awesome, you celebrate with God instead of celebrating yourself. And you allow him to be the leader and, and the driving force of your life, the identifier of who you are from this moment on. So let's pray together and let's start this new life together. Say this with me. Say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus to die on the cross, defeat the grave, and to rise again so that I could be saved. I was a sinner and I have struggled with sin, but today I'm different. I'm a new creation. I'm a child of God, redeemed, remastered, and remade. Today I choose to make you Lord of my life and to live for you from this day on. Lead me into the life you created for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Awesome. Thanks again for tuning in today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can check us out online at rlcbr.org. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in the iTunes store or your podcast feed. We love you and remember to always reach up, reach in, and reach out. Have a great week.